We all have a day on the calendar that will probably cause us to slow down a little bit. It may even force us to hit the pause button and cause us to hug our loved ones a little bit more. Many of us, if not all of us, at some point in time will have a day when someone near and dear to our heart dies. We are reminded in the Bible that death is a part of life. We know in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it is appointed unto die. It's appointed for all men to die, and then after that comes the judgment. But yet there are certain dates that may stick with us after losing someone who is near and dear to our hearts. Do you have any dates that come to mind? I have two in particular, and the first date is February 24th. just happened, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, back in 2012. I was with my father, and there's a photo of my father with uh, Joshua. Josh, you've grown quite a bit, uh, which is a good thing, and I may have grown a little bit too. But that was, uh, that was a photo taken with Dad after Josh was born, and, uh, and I feel bad too. I was thinking about this. That's the only photo that Josh has with, uh, with my father. But I remember that day, it was February 24th, it was around 4.30 when uh, Tanya called me and, and told me that, that dad had died. Uh, this was in uh, Urbana, Illinois, and I was in Beaumont at the time. And so that date sticks with me each year. And then the other photo is that of my grandmother, I called her Granny, that's what we called her, Granny and Pawpaw, and September 11th, that's the date that sticks with me. She died later on that same year. Uh, Granny and I, we had a lot of epic battles together. We would have, um, I was a little bit uh, stubborn and rebellious as a little, as a, as a young boy. And while she was a small woman, she was pretty strong. And uh, there was one occasion, I can't remember if I've shared this story here, but I'll share it anyway. Uh, one occasion, and I, I, didn't like, I didn't like to eat bananas. Like we ate bananas all the time and probably why I don't want bananas anymore. And so what I thought was if I could just drop the banana on the floor, surely there's no way she'd make me eat it. But when I dropped it on the floor, she'd pick it back up and clean it and say, you're going to eat this banana. And so we had, some, we had some big battles. And I think my, uh, my free days have come from her. Every Friday, we'd have this big free day. We'd have Chips Ahoy cookies, donuts, and Kool-Aid. And it was amazing. And so some of those things have stuck with me. I, I love my grandmother. She, um, she raised us quite a bit and uh, taught us a lot about the Lord. And these two dates, February 24th, and September 11th, those dates will always stick with me. What about you? Uh, do you have someone that you've lost? Maybe it was not too long ago. It could have been a few years ago. It could have been over 10 years ago. There are certain people and dates that we just hold on to. It is tough losing a loved one, and it's extremely difficult knowing how to respond after that actually happens. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 10, the Bible says, The heart knows its own bitterness. And a stranger does not share its joy. And I think maybe what the proverb writer is saying there is that we all individually share our own grief and emotions uh, as we go through difficult periods in our lives. I've learned a lot about death, and I've learned a lot about funerals and things like that during the last 10 years of preaching and just in life in general. I've learned that after a death, there's not a lot of time to grieve because there are so many things that have to be done. There are so many things that have to take place. And then a week or so later, it's time to go back to work. And that's typically when reality begins to hit and you realize that that person, your husband or wife or child or mother or father, whoever it may be, that they are not coming back. 
And it's dealing with this reality where challenges really, I think, begin to present themselves. I want to talk about grief this morning. This was something that was mentioned, uh, dealing with the loss of someone in the survey, as was uh, studies from the book of Genesis, which is why we studied there this morning. And the title of my lesson this morning is called Good Grief. And I'm saying good grief because I think there's a, a, a right way to grieve, and I think there's also potentially a, a wrong way to grieve and how we go about handling the loss of someone who has died. From the scriptures, we learn a lot about the mourning process, that uh, there are some things that we should do that naturally, I think, happen uh, after someone dies. I want you to turn over, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 34. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, this is right before God's people are going to enter or begin to make their way entering into the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, we know their leader was Moses, and Moses was not going to enter into the promised land. And so we see that Moses died. He was 120 years old in verse number 7. And then the Bible says in verse number 8, So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. I love that passage because it's just a reminder that that crying, weeping is a natural uh, thing that should happen, hopefully, after we lose someone, that that this is normal in nature and that uh, these things should naturally take place. In Luke chapter 7 in our Bible reading, and I did a sermon on this a couple of weeks ago, remember the situation that Jesus uh, encountered as he was going into the city of Nain in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse number 11. In Luke 7 and verse 11, the Bible says, Soon afterwards he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. There was a funeral that took place. There was this process of this man dying and now being buried. It's normal to cry. It's normal to have some type of, of ceremony, some type of farewell ceremony for someone who, was, who has died. And it's normal to have people around you. I think about Job. I'm not going to read it, but remember in Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, Job lost all of his children. And his three friends that we read about, beginning in Job chapter 2, while they made some accusations that were not true, they were there for Job. And they sat with Job for a span of seven days and that's normal to have hopefully people around you and around us helping us during these moments of grief Uh, people can do these things and yet still there can be a lot of struggle during the grieving process and I think it's really important as we go through life and it's going to affect us in some shape or form whether it's someone directly Uh, that we're related to or someone that we may be helping along the way and as we go through life there's some things that we really need to think about concerning God It is often the case, and it can be, if not careful, that there may be some risk with our relationship with God during times of death. I've seen Christians who have lost a loved one, and and their walk with God gradually gets a little bit weaker. And maybe sometimes they just no longer will walk with him. And that's certainly not the right way to handle grief. And so what what, what does God want us to know in times of grief, in times of, of loss, so that we can remain with him and so that we can go through this process the proper way? That's what I want to share with you for a few minutes. And I want to begin by talking about some things that we need to know. First off, we need to know that God truly cares for us. And while I think we all understand this, it really is important during the loss of a loved one. You know, what people need in times of death is to know that other people care about them. Would you agree with that? When you have lost someone, people need to know that other people care about you and what you are going through. And yet, that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always happen. 
people sometimes, unfortunately, go through the loss of losing a loved one, and they seemingly don't have anyone that, that is around them or assisting them or demonstrating care. And even worse, do you know stories, or maybe this has happened to you and families, when someone dies, what can happen? The family can start to argue with one another. The family can start getting in, involved with one another. There can be a lot of bickering and a lot of bitterness and things like that. Families often will let people down. And even sometimes brothers and sisters in Christ can let other brethren down. It could be the case that many feel a little bit disappointed because they've lost someone dear to their hearts, and maybe the response of their brethren wasn't the response that they were quite looking for. It's important as we go through the mourning process that indeed we know that God cares for us and that he recognizes our struggles. Let me just share with you a couple of examples. There's lots that we could look at. Stay in Luke chapter 7. You continue on with the story here. We know the story of the widow's son in Nain. And what I want you to see is verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. And he's going to perform this miracle. But for now, I just want you to notice that Jesus felt compassion towards this woman. And I think there's something powerful for us to really think about that, that he was touched. And certainly he's going to perform a miracle, and there's a lot of things behind that as well. But the fact that he saw what she was going through and he demonstrated compassion towards her is something that is really powerful. We need to know that God truly does care for us. I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, and while the context is not directly speaking about the loss of a loved one, we are reminded about some things about God. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, I want you to notice what the Hebrew writer says here. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, notice what he says about God to the saints. He said, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I want you just to notice that last part of that text that God says, I'm going to be with you, even through the difficult trials. And certainly some of those saints were going through some difficulties. And for us, as we lose a loved one, there's a lot of difficulties that can come along the way. And we need to know that God cares about us. In Hebrews chapter 4, a few chapters back, I want you to be reminded about our Savior Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 14, 15, and 16. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse number 14, the Bible says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That should be comforting to us to know that we have someone, that we have not only just a son, but the Father uh, in heaven, that they care about us. And here in verse 16, we can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And certainly when people have lost loved ones, there is often that need that is there. And so as we deal with the loss of losing someone close to us, we need to know, number one, that God cares about us. And secondly, we need to know that God ultimately needs to be our source of comfort. That we need to truly turn to him in these dark hours. And it does get dark and it does get difficult and it does become challenging. And God is the one that ultimately we always need to turn to. 
And that's easy to hear, but it can be hard when you're maybe in a storm or maybe someone has suddenly died or maybe something tragic has happened. God is the source. He is the one that we need to turn to. We are reminded in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 who God is, that he is described as a God of all comfort. And I just want to read a few verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 1, Paul is going to remind us something very important for our walk. That as we go through life, that we are going to face some challenging days. And yet God is the one that we turn to. He is the source of our comfort. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. You hear it? Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. He's emphasizing something that we all need to hear in verse 4, that God, that he is the God of all comfort, and that we certainly need to turn to him in verse 3 and verse number 4. And when you really think about our Father in heaven, there's no limitation to his comfort. And that's why we need to turn to him. And I say this because it can be easy And maybe it hasn't happened to us, but maybe you know other people that it has happened to. It can be easy sometimes for people to turn to every other thing except God. People can turn to drugs. People can turn to alcohol. People can turn to a variety of things to find consolation and comfort after going through something tragic. And people can even turn to revenge or retaliation depending upon the situation. But we need to make sure that when it comes to finding peace and comfort and knowing how to navigate these difficult days and weeks and years, that we turn to the one who is described as the God of all comfort. He has to be that source where we will be able to find the endurance to continue. And as we talk about God being the God of all comfort in verse number three, it's also important that we understand how he goes about comforting his people. The Bible, I believe, helps us to see that that God will comfort his people in a variety of ways. You know, for the people of Israel, they needed to hear some things from God. Go back to Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, after Moses had died, Joshua now was going to be leading the people into the promised land. In Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, Joshua and the people needed to hear something from God. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads I have given to you, given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Verse 5, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. 
I will not fail you or forsake you. Joshua and the rest of the Israelites, they need to hear these words. And certainly I think these words would have been words of comfort, that God was with them, that as they're getting ready to go through new territory, new land, they're not going to do this by themselves. And I think that would have been comforting to, to, the, to Joshua and to the Israelites. And we know that the word of God is comforting. While we're not going to hear from God in ways that they heard from God in times past, we hear from him today through his word. And the word of God, the scriptures are so powerful. And do not take them for granted. Do not underestimate what the Bible has to say about how we can receive comfort from God's word. I want you to notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where Paul is talking about death. And Paul, as he talks about death of the saints, he didn't want the other brethren to be uninformed. And he's going to remind them about how they could take comfort in the things that he was t- telling them and reminding them of. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul said, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, those who have died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall always be, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Watch what he said at the very end. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The word of God is a source of comfort for us, at least it should be. And this is how God is going to go about comforting his people. Paul was reminding the saints about those who had died in the Lord and that the fact that there's still hope that they don't have to grieve in in the way that others would typically grieve. And so we need to make sure, number one, that as we think about God being the source of all comfort, never underestimate the power of the Word of God to remind us of who He is and what He has done and the fact that He is ultimately in control. We need to make sure that we turn our minds and our hearts to the Word of God. But that's not the only way that we can receive comfort from God. I think another way that we go about receiving comfort from God is through prayer. God wants us to to cry out to him in times of need. He wants us to cry out to him, not just in times of need. He wants us to cry out to him every day. And that can get hard and challenging when you have lost someone close to you with all the emotions, with all the things that are taking place. And yet this is what we still need to make sure that we are focusing upon doing even during those difficult days, that we need to call upon, we need to pray to our Heavenly Father. We need to cast our cares to Him. He is the one that truly will understand our grief. A number of years ago, back in Beaumont, there was a brother in Christ that didn't really know him that well. And he came to my office one day, and we, we knew each other a little bit, but he just, started, he just, he just broke down. He broke down and he began to cry, and he had been through a lot. He had lost one of his, one of his uh, boys um, uh, right at birth, and I, I can only imagine the pain that this, that this brother was feeling. And while I could share some things and, and talk to him and listen to him, I, I, could, I couldn't fully relate and fully help him with what he was experiencing. And yet there is one that can, and that's God. And the fact that we can pray to God and reach out to him and, and cry and cast our cares and our burdens to him, I think that should give us great comfort, that God is the one that knows and understands what we are going through. I think about King David all throughout the Psalms. In Psalm 142, we find David, the the superscription says that he was in a cave. And you talk about a difficult moment, that certainly would have been a difficult moment. But what we find all throughout the Psalms is that David, 
he would pour out his heart to God. And I just want to read this because it's a reminder that, that David knew that God was going to be his source of strength and comfort and refuge, and that needs to be our mindset. In Psalm 142 and verse 1, David said, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. And the way where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And while David was going through some different circumstances than what we may be going through, he turned to God. And he knew that God was his source of strength. And God was the one that could see him through these difficult hours. And that needs to be our mindset. God needs to be our source of comfort through his word, remembering what he says, remembering the great promises that we have, what he's done for us. We need to cry out to him in prayer. We need to be persistent in our prayers to God, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of losing someone close to us. And we receive comfort from God in another manner. We receive comfort from God through his people. When you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we are reminded of what Paul said here as he described God being the God of all comfort. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4, notice that as he would continue, he's going to remind us about the power of God's people and how through his people we can receive comfort from him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, In verse number 3, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think there's something really positive there for us to hold on to, that in times of death, you know who we need? Not only do we need God, but we need one another. Would you agree with that? We need one another that we don't have to go through these difficult situations by ourselves. We don't have to do these things alone. We need one another. We're going to need a support system in times of death. And one of the ways that God is going to comfort us is going to be through his people. And just think about receiving the expressions of care and how far that really goes, whether it's a card or a phone call or a hug or just someone listening to you. It can be easy sometimes to kind of push those things aside or maybe not allow people to get too close. But when it comes to situations like this, we truly need one another. It's through his people that God will often comfort his people. And so it's just a reminder that we, we're going to have to we're going to have to have one another. And we need to allow people to help us in, during these times. And for those who have not lost loved ones, if you know someone who's going through something, This is an opportunity for us to do something, to help our fellow brother and sister in Christ. And so God is the one that ultimately we need to go to in times of grief and death and loss. He is the one that truly cares, and he is the one that can certainly give us the comfort that we need. That's what we need to know. But not only do we need to know these things, we've got to make sure that there's some things that we continue to do. And I'm saying this because while it's good for us to know these things, death is just so hard and dependent upon the situation and the challenges that come with it, it can be hard sometimes just to, just to maybe even get up. It can be challenging sometimes just to, to continue on, and yet this is what God wants us to do. I want you to turn to the book of Job here real quickly. And I want you to notice in Job chapter 1 that Job is going to help us to see that even during times of great loss, that we still need to continue to worship our Father in heaven. In Job chapter 1, remember Job, he was a great man. He was a God-fearing man, and 
He lost all of his children. And I can only imagine what that must have felt like, losing all of your children and receiving this terrible news. And the Bible says in verse number 20 of Job chapter 1, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. It's a fascinating response by Job. And again, it's hard to imagine the depth of this man's pain and what he was experiencing, losing all your children at the same time. And yet, in spite of all of this, there's this unusual response, at least maybe in our eyes, that Job remained with God, that he continued to worship God. And as we think about the grieving process, and it's going to happen at some point in time, if it hasn't already happened to you, the day is coming. I'm not trying to sound really dark or anything like that. It's just a reality of life. And when that time comes, we need to make sure that we continue to worship our Father in heaven. Those dark hours will, will hit, and we need to continue to worship him. We need to stay connected to our Father and remember who he is and remember his power and continue to keep our eyes focused on him. And as we think about the grieving process, not only will we need to worship, but brothers and sisters, we've got to continue to walk with God. As we grieve and as we go through the loss of losing someone, our walk with God does not end. We still have to continue to serve him and to walk with him. Again, in Job chapter 1, Job remained with God. Yeah, he had a lot of questions. And he had some things that he wanted to talk to about God. And yet we still see here that this man still was walking with God. And I think there's something powerful. Remember the text in Joshua chapter 1? Look back again in Joshua chapter 1. What did God tell his people to do? In Joshua chapter 1, after Moses had died, he said, look, Moses is dead, but you still have to keep on going. In Joshua chapter 1, he spoke to Joshua in verse 2. He said, my, my servant Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all his people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Now, surely Joshua and the other people did not forget about Moses, certainly. They had mourned for Moses for a month. And obviously they would be thinking about Moses for years to come. And yet God said, look, you still are on a, on a journey here. And there's still some place where you need to go. And I need for you to arise and I need for you to continue. And we see this actually in the New Testament, despite horrific situations. I'm thinking about Acts chapter 7. Look at the last portion of Acts chapter 7. Remember after Stephen had died in Acts chapter 7, a cruel death in Acts chapter 7, and as he was stoned to death in verses 59 and 60. The Bible says, They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Saul was in hearty agreement, chapter 8, with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. A natural response. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. That stands out to me because despite losing someone like Stephen, the saints continued to walk with God. 
They continued to do the work of God. They continued to move forward. And I'm certainly not saying that I have all the answers or uh, this is a certain time period and, and you've got to have all these things and start doing all these things. I just want you to see that even during these difficult days, God's people continued to walk with him and continued to do his will. In Acts chapter 12 and verse number 1, it says, Now about that time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat him. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And so now you have James that has now died. And yet what we find all throughout the rest of the book of Acts, in Acts 12 and Acts 13, the people of God are still moving forward and they're doing the work of God. As we go through the mourning process, it's hard, it's difficult, and God is the one that truly understands and knows your grief and my grief and our pain and our struggles and whatever doubts that we have. But we still got to remain with him, and we're still going to have to continue to walk with him and worship him and praise him. And these examples remind us that it is possible to get up. You know, when you lose someone close to you, it's like getting punched in the, in the stomach. It takes your breath away, and it's hard sometimes to recover. And yet God says that we can still do this and that we still have work to do and we still need to remain with him even in the midst of tragedy. The saints relied on his strength and we must do the same. We must continue with him so that we will reach our Canaan land and that is heaven one day. The grieving process is never easy. It's, it, it's, it's messy sometimes. You know, people like to try to pack it all in. Okay, you got this one week here or one month, and let's try to get back to normal. Well, normal doesn't really always come back. Sometimes you've got to create a new kind of normal. And yet we still have to remain with God. And knowing these things about our Heavenly Father hopefully will help us to endure. And knowing how He wants us to respond will hopefully help us to continue on with Him. In my office, I have a folder for the most part, of all the funerals I've been to, with all the, the, the information that you get out of a funeral of the person who has died, the obituary, and the, the program. And the funeral, that, that, that file just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And my dad's information is in there. My grandmother's information is in there. And I look at that. It's just a reminder that death is real. And one day, that's going to happen to me. And one day, it's going to happen to you. One day we are going to die. And one day somebody's going to come to our funeral. And one day maybe somebody will say something about us in a sermon. We're going to die one day. We need to make sure that we're ready for that day. You know, it's good when people prepare for their death and they have all the paperwork planned and ready. It just takes one huge burden away from the family members where everything's already laid out and ready. Because when that doesn't happen, it just adds more grief. It adds more pain to an already challenging situation. You know what we need to make sure that we're prepared and that we make sure that our family doesn't have to be overcome with grief about? Making sure that our soul is right with God. Making sure that we are ready to die. Sure, you may have to plan all of the funeral arrangements and things like that. But it's so bad and so hard and so challenging for individuals who are not really prepared for that moment. And let's make sure that we are ready, that we are in Jesus Christ where salvation is found so that those who we will leave behind will be able to have good grief and will be able to know 
what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Many are going through a loss of someone near and dear to them. Let's pray for them. Let's comfort them. Let's encourage them. Let's remember them. And even after that first week has passed or that first month or maybe even that first year, there's still things that we can do to help them as they go through that mourning process. Ultimately, let's make sure we turn to our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're not ready to die, then you need to make sure that you get ready right now because death is real. And Jesus died on the cross to give us eternal life. And we want to encourage you to put on Jesus Christ in baptism, to be washed with his blood so all your sins will be washed away. We want you to be ready. We want you to have that confidence that one day you'll be with him in heaven for eternity. You need to make sure that you're right with God. If you need to obey the gospel, we want to encourage you to do so today. Let's all stand and sing a song of encouragement.